the Mom Village podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Welcome to the Mom Village. As you can tell, this is not Cheese Marie Ramos. This is Christian Ramos. Because his dads take over the Mom Village. And I'm here, though. I'm going to go ahead and change that voice because I'm about to lose my voice. But we're here, all of us together. Dads, I'm Christian Ramos, and I'm here with... Cheese Marie Ramos. And... Eric Kelly. And Kira Kelly. Jimmy Scroggins. And Kristen. But the dads she are taking over. <laughs> Kristen Scroggins, a, very proudly. We're having a marriage so. problem now. Like, what's happening? Kristen Scroggins, loud and clear. Hey, no, but seriously, we're talking today about raising boys. And so who better to talk about raising boys than the dads that are raising boys? And so we actually have children, male children, in different stages of life, all the way from dads themselves. So you guys, Jimmy yeah. and Kristen, have actually kids that have kids. And Eric and Kira are raising really adults at this point in some ways, right? Yeah. Some of them are transitioning into that stage of adulthood. They got and mustaches. Then, I know that. They, they, got they sure do. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, and even the youngest one looks like a grown man. <laughs> it does. Um, it does. And then we have little kids. I have a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old. So we're going to go ahead and get started. And so I want to start off by just asking, guys. Who has been just a great figure in your life? Maybe a father figure if you have, didn't have a dad or, you know, present in your life or just a great influence in your life. Yeah, I'll start. So my dad was present in our home. He was a huge blessing, still is a huge blessing in my life. And just having a dad that I knew loved me, loved my mom, loved my brothers, not perfect by any stretch, but certainly filled that role and continues to fill that role. He and my mom have recently moved in around the block from us, which is kind of... Wow. Cool. So it's kind of a new phase for all of us, but I, I would say my father for sure. Eric, what do you think? Well, I did not have a, a dad present in the home growing up. And for the better part of my adolescent and on up into college years, I think in college, there were a couple men in our fraternity, advisors in our fraternity that offered some counsel and, and wisdom to me. And although younger than me, I will have to say that my pastor the good Reverend Dr. James <laughs> Scroggins has, I forget which number are you, three, you're four? Four. four. You're four. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, Jimmy has, Jimmy, in, in all seriousness, though a year, maybe a year younger than me, has provided, in, particularly around raising boys, because your boys have gone a little further than where we are. So uh, I've taken those mentorship moments from great men like, like Jimmy and some of the men that I met earlier on in college. That's awesome. For me, honestly, the story's a lot like Jimmy. I have a just a great dad. My dad has been so loving and caring, always present in my life. I would say that my dad has all the qualities that I want to have, but I don't yet. And I'm an aggressive guy. I'm pretty direct. But my dad is kind of like a gentleman, really loving and caring for my mom. And so it's a great example, always been a great example in my life on how to love my spouse well. And how to love other people well. So I think both of you guys too, because you know one of the things that I love is watching you guys raise your kids, and I've learned a, a lot by watching you. And one of the things that Chris and I are so grateful for is that 
Eric and Christian, you're two of the men that you know. I mean, my boys look up to you guys and listen to you guys. And you guys spend time with my sons when I'm not around. And they really do have great admiration. So one of the things that's great about being a Christian and being a church family is we all need help. And uh, being in a village is crucial. So going with that, since it's so crucial and you've seen how powerful it is. So how can you guys tell our village how vital it is the role of a father for a son, that father figure? And what can moms do to foster a healthy and loving relationship with their sons while encouraging the father role? I wonder, Eric, if you'd speak that, because I'll tell you you what I was thinking is that I know that one of the big sort of painful parts of your life is the absence of a father. And yet I've watched you being super intentional Mm -hmm. about making sure that your children do not have that experience and Mm -hmm. they don't. And they know they have a dad that loves them, loves their mom, loves Jesus. So I wonder if you just speak to that, because I think you would have a unique perspective. Yeah. You know, I'll take it first from the point of departure for me is it is the Bible. The figure that I saw, of course, is the father, our God. Mm -hmm. We learn so much from how the father, our God, teaches fatherhood, even in his love with Christ. So I did not have a dad in the home growing up. But one of the things I knew, and Kira and I talked about this, I knew I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be a father. And the things that I knew I needed to do was to love them, to provide for them, and to be sure that I was always present. Mm -hmm. And so that role is incredibly vital. Um, Not having it in my life, although, yes, I have found certain success in my life, what I will admit, and this is for moms who listen, and, and whether it's a single mom or a dad who is absent, let me just say, every boy needs a man in his life. Mm. It is vital. Can you mm. say that again, please? Every boy <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. needs a God-centered, God-fearing, <clears throat> Bible-believing man in his life. Mm. There is something about the way we have been designed as the male species that we must connect and hold on to that. So the role is incredibly, incredibly important. And because again, I say, I know that there are moms who are raising boys on their own. And part of the question is, and what can moms do to foster a healthy and loving relationship with their sons? For a mom who may be raising a son without an active dad, I'll say this, especially if you're connected to a church, make sure that that boy has a connection with a God-fearing man. There's nothing healthier and more satisfying to the soul of a boy than to have a man that that he can look up to and, and hold on to. So it, it is a vital role. And thank you for saying that, Jimmy. And absolutely, my boys know it. They do. Two of them will let me hug them. One run, the youngest one, who's tall, he runs when I try to hug him. Uh, he runs and he tells his mom to tell me to stop trying to hug him. And then he calls me sus and tells me I'm weird just because I'm trying to hug him. But I know- He's 13. He's yeah. 13. But I know they love it. I Don't stop. Love. Don't I will stop. never stop. No, sir. All right. Eric, do you want to go next with this next question? Oh, yeah. yeah. So listen, and I don't want to pick up on the answer for this, but one of the things we have to think about also is because, you know, we're talking about moms also being a part of raising boys, but we are men with girls. And so mm-hmm. Kira and I, we have our oldest is our daughter, Madison, and then we have the three boys, Mason, Miles, and Malachi. So I want to ask you guys, how do you parent your boys differently than your girls? How do you parent those those two? I'll start, but I I have to be honest. I think I treat them exactly the same. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies, if you're listening, he doesn't often tell things that aren't true, but I got to tell you, 
you need to rephrase that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let me say this then. I I, I might might treat them different. Okay. I might treat them different. Maybe. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if someone should write a book about this. I just have a sense that I am raising these boys and they have to become men who have to be providers and protectors in a tough world. And although I want them to be tender and I want them to love Jesus, I'm aware that at some point there's a sense in which this world is full of people that are red in tooth and claw. And that's true physically. It's true socioeconomically. It's true educationally. And so I recognize that my boys are going to have to stand on two feet in this world with a family that's depending on them. And so I am tougher on them in a different way than I am on my girls. Now, before everybody starts adding me, I also want my daughters to be strong and I want them to be tough and intelligent and I want them to be able to stand as well. However, my intent and my hope for those girls and for their hope for themselves at this point is that one day they'll be married to a godly man. And so I have a sense in which I kind of plan on having a certain role in their life, even if they're adults and don't even live with me anymore. I plan on having a certain role in their life. And then if God brings a husband into their lives, then I plan on him doing his job if I can help facilitate that and I'll help him. But I definitely do have a much more tender, in some ways, less demanding, in some ways, relationship with the girls. But you may coach me up on that, Christian, but I think that is a fact. Well, I was teasing a little bit. He does parent them the same in a lot of ways. And part of what he said was true. It's not like we're trying to raise men to be tough and strong and our girls to be wimps and and, and needy. Those husbands that are going to marry our girls one day are going to need a woman who is strong Mm -hmm. and secure and independent in her own right. And yet, yeah, the the tenderness comes out differently. He gives the girls a little more leeway than he would the boys. And the truth is, as a mom, I'm sure I give the boys more leeway than I do than I do my girls. You know, it's, it's kind of like no you know, comment, no comment, yeah. no comment. Why? You know, there's just something about that father daughter relationship, and yet we do want to raise them to be strong and, and love Jesus. But we're talking about boys today, so. Well, and I I have little boys and little girls. So my oldest son is ten, my youngest is three, and then my girls are eight and five. And man, I, I am definitely way softer with my girls. I just, I, I, you know, Jisma is not as patient with the girls as I am. I love that. But with my boys, I think I see it this way. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm young at this. I, I haven't been, not that I'm young, but I haven't been doing this as long as other people, even around this table. And I think of the relationship with my son as I am the lead discipler for him. So I am trying to teach him how to be a man, just like Jimmy said, how to provide, how to defend himself, how to love people well, how to love Jesus well. And I feel a burden in my heart, like a really strong burden about being the lead disciple for those boys. While in some ways for my girls, I feel the need to be the one that shows them what real manly love is like and then leaving a lot of the discipling to my wife. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm absent from the discipling. I just think she's able to connect with them in a different way and teach them some things about being a woman that I could never teach. And so I really take that task of the lead disciple in my home and my kids' lives, my boys, really, really seriously. So I'm not sure that is the right way to see it. And then guys, I'm, I'm open for feedback, but I really see my task in that way. Can I, and I'm going to say this as we wrap up this third question, and then uh, I'm going to kick it over here to Kira. 
Let me just say that I unapologetically and authentically raise our boys to be men, to be godly men. Yay. I wish we had an applause for that. (laughs) In light of, listen, in light of everything else, and I love the way, Jimmy, I love every Sunday the way you talk about the heart of our faith is to bring people in, lift them up, receive people where they are. But we must not apologize for God's design Mm -hmm. in the face of this world. And therefore, I want my boys to express themselves as strong male creatures designed by the great I am. And our daughter, who is just as fervent and strong about her presence, what I Mm. wanted for her, very, yes, Lord, (laughs) (laughs) pray saints, what I really wanted for her was to be, Kristen, you talked about that security. Mm -hmm. She left for work this morning. She and I were leaving out at the same time. Amen. And she waited around for me to walk her to the car to hug her. I love Mm. that. The other morning, I went to her bedroom and hugged her, and she looked at me and said, thank you, Dad. And so she's a strong woman, Mm -hmm. but I know she needs to be secure Mm -hmm. in who she is first and foremost. So I unapologetically, without having a father, I am unapologetic about how I'm raising our boys to be men, godly men as defined by the Bible, and our daughter to, yes, be strong, but to understand the love of a man, the gentle nature and touch of a man. So I think that's my role with our daughter. So Kira, let me kick it to you and see if you have any questions for the guys. So dads, as you all are talking about pouring into your boys, how is it that you can maintain a relationship with them as they're growing older? Because I know with girls, you know, Madison and I have that connection. We go shopping and do things together. So how Mm -hmm. in... Oh, Ooh. <laughs> he was here. I caught uh, them yesterday, as a matter of fact, at the outlet mall. Caught them, uh-huh. caught them. Uh-huh. How do you maintain and foster a relationship with your boys as they're growing into men? Like, what do you do and how do you How do can it? you share that to our mom village that are listening and maybe they can, you know, encourage You know, because sometimes a t- the teenage, they try to start pulling back. They want to spend more time with their friends. How do you intentionally continue to foster that relationship? where they know that there is a soft place to land with their dad. Yeah, I don't know if there's a one-size-fits-all strategy for that because everybody's family looks different. And a lot of the ladies that are listening to Mom Village, some of them are single moms and some of them you know, are just different situations. But I would say for us, one of the things that we've done together, Chris and I, is prioritize meals. So multiple times a week, we have a family dinner. We have to adjust our schedules for that. Sometimes it just means we eat at like really odd times, such as like 945 at night or something (laughs) like that, because that's when everyone gets home. But we make sure we sit around the table together. And that's kind of a symbol of us staying connected, I think, in everyone's mind. We take trips together and try to create experiences together. And over the life of our marriage, we've had different kinds of budgetary opportunities. And it has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have, just creating experiences that you have together. And then the final thing I think is just constantly communicating love and security, even if they don't understand how much they need it, or even yeah. if there's a time when it doesn't seem like they want it, just continuing to communicate love and security. I was just talking to a dad this morning who was talking about his college age daughter kind of pulling away and him being a little frustrated with that and just being able to say, you know, I just think the fact that you're communicating as hard as you can, we're here, we're never going anywhere, you have a place here, we're your family. And he said, she doesn't seem to want that right now. I said, doesn't matter. Yeah. You keep making sure she knows 
so that when the stuff hits the fan in her life, she's got one place where she can go and the door is open and the welcome mat is out and the bed is made and she has a place to come in. And all of our kids need to feel that, whether they're close or whether they're far. I will say, Jimmy, just a brag on him moment, that he does such a great job with all of our children with that. And he still does it with our older sons who are married, who are in college, even just telling them that he loves them, that he's with them no matter what. And I think sometimes with dad to son, because you've got all this testosterone and manhood going on, some of that gets lost if it's not intentionally thought after. And so I think you do a good job with that. So they still want to come to you and hear what you have to say because they know you're on their side. One other thought I have about that, Kira, is that as our boys have gone, you know, Mason has gone through driving and now has his license and he's on his own in miles. I like that phrase. He's gone through driving. <laughs> well, he's gone through the learning process. He's, of gone, he's gone through COVID. He's gone through driving. <laughs> more, more like he's we've, through, we've gone through driving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've gone through driving. The worry of these teenage boys out on the road. He's gone through driving. Yes. Um, well, don't tell him. And he went through a garage <laughs> right after he got his license. <laughs> Hey, our kids have gone through lots of things. Don't yeah, worry about gate, it. Yeah. Uh, guard gates and yeah. guard gates. Yeah, cars, so so, so listen, mom, dad. You know when your kids go through driving, they go through things that should be barriers. It happens. It's just going to happen. Stop lights. Yeah, stop lights. <laughs> those things are going. You're going to go through those things. But I will say, one of the opportunities I had with with Maddie and with the boys now is getting them in the car and yes. and just driving. Yes. And Miles now he works at Chick Fil A, and for whatever reason, schedules for closing. And daddy is just dog tired by the end of the night. o'clock when he's getting off. But he jumps in that car. He's excited. I get into the passenger seat. He jumps into the driver's seat. He's fresh and revived and I'm dog tired. He puts on his music, whether it's country or whatever genre he's listening to that night. But there's something so special about my 16-year-old son next to me driving himself home Mm, from from work. Amen. And I tell him when he gets in the car, I say, son, how was work? I didn't think I'd get to say that. Son, how was work today? How was work? And you can smell the fries. I can yes. smell the fries. He that smell- is serious. He smells like fries. oil. Oh, I know. Our kids have worked at Chick Fil A too. I yeah. know. You can smell them. And no, and 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 just I love telling him, son. I'm so proud of you for working because one of the first things I told our boys when they were little, well, a couple of things I told them. One of them was a if man. Men don't work. He does not. He does not eat. Yeah. Every man must that, work. I would tell them that a man does not work. In that's the Bible. the Bible. So I love that was one of the things I thought about the times that I get to go and teach the boys as they're out driving. The same I did, we did with Maddie. And then also now as they're driving, get to spend time with them in the car. Hey guys, uh, let me start with you, Christian. What piece of advice would you give moms who notice their boys pulling away from them a little bit as they get into those middle school years? I know you don't have middle school boys yet. <laughs> I don't, but, yeah, but you, you used to be one. And I'm pretty sure that even in Puerto Rico, middle school boys pull away from their moms. So <laughs> oh my gosh. how should a mom respond? We, you know, we, let's, we let's kick that off. To his Guys, <laughs> if I tell you about Hispanic mothers, oh man. <laughs> Um, if you tell him when you were in middle school, that's not good. No, I was a, I was a good middle schooler. I was a terrible elementary kid. Mm. All right. My parents, especially my mom, really made church our main focus, really, in our family. And so my mom, what she did is that her and my dad, they took us to church. We were at church on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday nights. We were there all the time. And 
Instead of me, yeah, that was a lot. I know. <laughs> I but, love Jesus listen, just as much as the next guy. Listen, I'm listen. Just saying. But we, what we would do, well, what my mom did actually is that she put all of us really to serve at church. Mm-hmm. So she just wanted us in that middle school time to have an experience of serving our church and our community. And then whenever we would serve the church, then she would ask us about it. And she was like, hey, what is the Lord showing you as you're going through that? Like my mom would do that stuff. My dad was like, did you do it right? But my <laughs> but, but my mom was like, what did you feel? What did you think? She would always make us think. My mom is an educator. So she would always ask us questions about, what did you think about this? What did you think about that? So I think in those middle school years when I didn't want to think, when I just wanted to like feel and get away from everybody and everything, especially with my parents. My mom just used the church as a place, a convening place, a place that brought our family together and allowed us to do something together. And she was a big part of, of making all that happen. Yeah. I wonder if you have a thought about that, Eric, because I know you and your mother are very close. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things my mom did incredibly well, she did a lot of things well, but I'll never forget the time that I was in college and it was during a rough time. And I, we didn't have cell phones back then, so I don't even remember how I called her. But I called her and I was probably in tears. And I remember telling her something that was really tough in my life. And she, I'll never forget, she said, son, your mom has done the best she can to raise you to be a man. She says, I can't do anymore. I can't raise you. I can't go any further. And she didn't know how to say what she actually said to me, which was find men now. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, early on, I talked about the men in the fraternity and the fraternity advisors. So here's what I would say to moms as the boys, and they will pull away. And that's part of the nature. I told Curtis, I, when our boys were small, I went to this seminar on boys and they talked about when boys are, you know, from birth about two, they're with mom, especially if mom is breastfeeding, they're with mom. And then those toddler years, they're beginning to test themselves out in all of the boundaries. Right around the age of 11 and 12, those pre-adolescent years, they begin asking the question, what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be a man? So they will naturally start to pull away What I think moms can do extremely well is make sure they're being guided and pointed to men who can help guide them. Mm -hmm. Because there will just naturally come a time when boys will start making that departure. So my mom did it well. She didn't know how to say what she was saying, which was now find community of men who can give you what you need because mama's giving you all mama can give you. And I think it was a healthy thing for my mom to help me think through. Do you remember what you told me? When Go ahead, were- you tell him, honey. <laughs> because he doesn't remember. <laughs> I didn't say that. It, it was I think it sound better coming from you. It was it was profound, honestly, because okay, so I've done this six times now, so I'm a pro. So now Caleb's starting to pull away. I got this, ladies. I'm good. I know my place. But when it happened with the first couple, I was secretly devastated. Because yeah. you know, they love their moms, moms and then all of a sudden mom is not their favorite and they let you know it in not so many ways. And so I said, Jimmy, like, this is so hurting my feelings. What do I even do with this? And he's like, you act like you don't even notice. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> that's not natural for me. She was trying to have conversations about it with well, them. Well, I hadn't yet, but I wanted to. Like, I, like and what do we know about middle and, school boys? Yeah, they don't want to talk about nothing. <laughs> but words. Sports Too, and many girls. Words. Too many words. <laughs> so I'm like, what should I do? He's like, act like you don't notice. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you just be normal. You feed them food. You tell them how great they are. You love them. You get onto them when they need to be. But don't make an issue of it. And I promise you, if you won't mention it, they'll come Come back back around to you so much faster. And I listened to instruction and I promise you, moms, it's true. If you just give them their space, point them, like Pastor Eric said, to other men, step back, 
if there's a dad in the home, let him stand up. And you were right, babe. They come back. They still love their mom. They do a lot. And I tell you what we've learned too. There's a point in, especially if there's a dad in the home, there's a point in the young boy's life when you just feel it happening. And we say it this way at family church often. We say that there's a time when mom needs to sit down and dad needs to stand up. And so when the kids are small, they're elementary age, they're breastfeeding, but then even, even, especially if the mom's able to be at home more. Whether she's working outside the home or not, she's going to take much more hands-on responsibility for the raising of those children in almost every case if you have a, a mom and a dad in the home. And so that's going to happen. And so the reason it hurts the mom's feeling so much is the dad, like, what have you done, dude? You have been yes, nothing exactly. but working, and I have been pouring my life out of these We didn't say it. We didn't say it. And now, why are they treating me disrespectfully? Mm-hmm. And when and they you, love you. Yes. When you come in the door, they act like, you know, God just walked in. What happened? And the answer is there's a sense in which what you said, Eric's right. There's a point where you just have to realize we're a team as a couple. We're in this for the long haul. We were together before any of them showed up. We're going to be together when they're all gone. But part of what we do now is, Mom, go ahead and be willing to sit down. And Dad, you got to be one at that point to stand up Mm -hmm. and be a little more hands-on with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you'll do it that way, Moms, I'm telling you, the kid's going to think you're a nerd from the time they're 12 till they're about 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, when the kid's about a junior in high school, he's going to turn around and think you are amazing. <laughs> and then it's going to switch again because now it kind of hurts my – I don't like to say it. But it kind of hurts my feelings. I'm like, wow, they want to stay up all night talking to mom. I guess I'll just go to bed now. <laughs> And and I can sometimes even tell, like, I'm sitting down here, and if I would just go up, they could have the conversation they want to have. have. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, well, good night, everybody. So, you know, it's a a team sport here. And uh, if you have a team, if you have a a mom and dad together, that could be a huge help. All right, men. What is your best advice in helping parents that are seeking to raise sons? You know, Pastor Eric alluded to this earlier. But they know that they need to raise sons that are manly and strong and hard workers who take risks and take responsibility. In theory, that's true. But what's your best advice? Like, how do you actually do that? Also, like, can we point out, like, for single dads, too? Because we have a lot of single dads. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how can we do that? Well, again, I'm just starting on this, so you guys are going to have to correct me, but the way that I do it, number one, is I got to be an example of the things I want my kid to do mm-hmm. and be. So I can't be teaching my son, hey, you need to work hard, and then I'm slothful at home, and I don't do anything, and I don't want to work. So first example is I work, and then I also share with my son the responsibilities I have in the house, like, hey, come with me. We got to fix this. We got to fix that. I'm trying to teach him that just because I'm tired doesn't mean I can rest. We have responsibilities. And so I'm always like, even today, we were driving here and he's like, dad, we're in the car. And he goes, dad, does the air that come out of the vent in the car, does that cost money? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you say the air at home costs money. <laughs> and I was like, well, actually, yes, yes it, does. it does. Okay. And I started explaining. He's like, okay, so I'm, then I'm going to have to work harder if I want to run the AC in my car. Yes. I'm yes. like, that's exactly right. <laughs> you work harder. You take responsibility. But we're teaching them that things don't just happen. They don't just happen. You have to work hard. And I want to be the example. So for me right now, I'm in that stage of I'm being the example of the man that I want him to be. The only thing I will add to that, Christian, which is spot on to be that example, parents, plural. So again, single mom, I saw my mom work. Hmm. She would leave the house 
as we say in the old country, four day in the morning, which <laughs> meant before day in the morning. My mom would leave to go. She was a presser at a dry cleaners. And she would leave early morning. She would make sure we were set and ready for everything we needed for the day in school. Or, and then she would come home when it was dark. And then she would work on Saturdays and still made seven, $8,000 a year. But the one thing that my sisters and I took from that is work, work. And there will be times when you're tired that you can't rest, but rest does come. Like she's in, doing incredibly well now. She can't wait to get down here to come hang out in the pool with us and all those great things <laughs> yeah. that mom gets to do and her grandbabies. Now she has great grandbabies, but to watch. So whether it's mom or a single dad, work and take responsibility because those kids are watching. And that example is is the one thing that they will need most. Man. All I can say is when you're raising boys while you're teaching them to work, you've also got to teach them to take risks. I think having boys who are fearful and you have to really push against this because our whole society tries to teach you that if you're a good mom or a good dad, you raise your kids in a bubble. And that is damaging, especially to boys. So I'm not saying that you should be riding bikes with no helmets. I'm not saying that you should have more than one person on the trampoline at a time. I'm not... All I'm saying is if you find yourself constantly, oh, my gosh, be careful. Oh, my God. If you say be careful too many times, be careful with how many times you say be careful. Mm. Boys need to learn. That means they're going to jump off of stuff. That means they're going to run around stuff. That means they're going to climb up stuff. That means they're going to try to drive through stuff. (laughs) And moms just have to turn your head, close your eyes. Right. And so there's just a sense in which you have to allow some boys to take some risks. And I have to tell you, if you're raising boys and you haven't been to the emergency room, I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> if, 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 you're, if your pediatrician had just given you your own bottle of glue to glue those uh, cuts shut, you know, you might want to think about it. I, I'm just saying it's good for boys to take some risks. And obviously, you want to let them take risks while you try not to let them kill themselves. Yeah. And if they somehow survive boyhood, they'll be better off for the risks that they've taken. That would just be my thought. Well said. Amen. Well said. Well, village, family, moms. And dads raising boys, what a journey it is. It's a blessing that we get to do it. I am just grateful. I sent my wife a text the day before yesterday, I think it was, and I just thanked Kira for being my wife and my friend, and I get to do this with her. I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else, and I know you wouldn't want to do it with anyone That's else. That's right. Um, <laughs> how, how could she? How could she? Like, how could she? I can't imagine. Well, she probably has a few reasons how she could and why she would. But um, we are grateful that you have spent this time with us. I don't really know how the moms usually close it out. I know there's a lot of great things that the moms do, but the one thing we're not going to do, we're not going to count to three and say bye. We're just not doing that. (laughs) I agree. We're not going to do that. We'll see y'all later. We'll see see y'all later. There you go. 